Yeah, your opinion never matters. It's a new me, I'ma get it. No remorse for all the cowards. Nowadays, I kind of fit it. Don't be speaking jambalala. If I'm seeking, then I'm winning. If I'm seeking, then I'm with, with. That's also another topic that I feel isn't talked about when it comes down to your own parents throwing things at your face. You know, unfortunately, here we go again. My dad always told me that. You know what I mean? My dad always told me that. My stepmom always told me that. I never throw things in your face, but when it came down to it and they were angry, Mm -hmm. They threw it at your face, bro. And believe it or not, um, when I got with my wife, um, we lived for the first three months or two months and a half with her parents before we got into our apartment. And uh, I had always been a defensive person because at home, that's how I had to be. That's what I was trained to be. Defensive, on attack mode all the time. And in my wife's household, you know, in my wife's household, it wasn't like that. You know what I mean? Her her parents weren't like that. But because I was so accustomed and used to my own parents throwing shit in my face and, and saying they wouldn't, but they did, it was uh, it, it 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 brought a rough patch between me and my wife. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, what the fuck is your problem? My parents would never this and that. But like I told you before the podcast, I had. She trained me, you know what I mean? And, and I'm not ashamed to say that because it got better. I got better when it came down to being a man and how to approach things and things like that. Listen, y'all talked about <clears throat> your, your situations when it came down and I respect y'all. Y'all don't know how much I respect y'all even more now because y'all had a wife and kids. When I went through this suicide shit, I didn't have a wife and kids. You know what I mean? I lived at home with my parents. You would think that the way that I was living, y'all would think this motherfucker's got it going on. You know, like... So, I'm going to cut you off real quick right there and to touch on Rich. So, real quick. You said sometimes the people around you, you need that, yeah. But, like I said, in my situation, the people that were around me were the ones that were causing me harm. So, I had to distance myself. So, sometimes it's trying to be able to recognize that. And sometimes people could, sometimes people can't. So, like I said, it's different situations. Why do you think I'm not with my baby moms? Are we fighting her, bro? Like, I know it. And the crazy thing is, and I think a lot of people don't understand this, is when you're head over heels in love with somebody, you don't see the red flags. You don't see the shit that everybody else on the outside is seeing because mentally you are stuck. Mm -hmm. You see this person for the way that you see this person and you don't see anything else. Cool. So when you when you separate from that person, when y'all break up or, or when y'all start going through your shit and you start falling out of love is when you start seeing the shit. Mm-hmm. So for me, that girl was like, she fucked me up, bro. Like, to the point where like I was second guessing myself a lot. I remember an argument I had where, and I'll never forget her for that shit. Never forget her for this shit. It was when I was going through the shit that I was going through. And her words to me were, first off I got called Debbie. That's first and foremost. Then I got called a depressed, suicidal asshole who just needs to do everybody a favor. For somebody going through the shit that they're going through, props to you for not going to jail. Bro. Props to you for not going to jail. There's a lot of shit that she's done and I'm props to myself for not going to jail. Um, But it's just like, I see it now. Now I see the shit. And that's that's one of the reasons where it was just like, I knew at some point, like I, I couldn't, I can't do this shit no more. Like I can't do this to myself anymore. Because I'm fucking myself up. And there's still times now where I gotta catch myself because if I'm around her for too long. Those those you those start feeling the type of way. Those thoughts and all that shit starts to creep back in because of the person that she is. It's cutting that rope, that's the most mm-hmm. painful. Yeah. Like, now you you said something that I wanna talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. Well not a lot, but I also wanna touch base on. Because most people think that 
okay, like you single, you alone or whatever, you're going to be partying. So most people be like, oh, you're having fun, this and that. But majority of the time is those people that are internally suffering because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know how to live yeah, alone. They mask, they mask it. Or they don't know how to be alone. Mm-hmm. So when you, at first, when you said that, you would think, uh, like, I have a smiling face and all stuff like that. So at least because of my my experience and I've been around people who are very suicidal and I've seen, not that I've seen in front of me, but I've known people who've committed suicide. Mm. It's actually the people who project being the happiest that most of the time are like that. So for me, when people say like, oh, I'm supposed to be having fun, this and that, it's like, no. When you're alone, I feel like that's the hardest because you're... You're left to fend for yourself. Listen, I boxed for six years. I did boxing for six years. And I'll tell you what. There was times where I would wake up at 1, 12, 30, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. With that fucking hole in my chest. With that sadness. With that, those fucking thoughts. And I'd go and run five, six miles. I exhaust myself. Shit, I came on half. I fucking, I fucking, man. I'm telling you, bro. When I when I tell you, I did. I used to sleep in the ring, like at the gym. I asked the coach, "Hey, you think I can sleep here tonight?" Oh yeah, you gonna train early in the morning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. My coaches would never tell you, cause everybody that walked through the door, yo, what's up? You ready to train? Let's get this money. Let's go. Ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh, let's do it. And that was always that has always been me. Like I said, like. Like you were talking about, like I said earlier, <clears throat> everybody would ask you, you're always smiling, but of course, it's to comfort you, not me. It's to comfort you because, so you know nothing's wrong with me. So I don't you, want so, you in my shit. Right, so you don't, so you don't ask me what, what's going on, you know? Uh, everybody also talks about, uh, you'll get over it with time. Nah, that pain is stuck with you. Somebody who's depressed, for somebody who battles that depression or the suicidal thoughts, that pain is stuck with you. I battle that shit every day. You just learn how every to. That's why I said day. what I said at the beginning when I said I'm always depressed. That's a fact. You know, I'm always depressed, but. And nobody would know you that. ever know? Nah. I don't know. And now even more, at least like I said, that's why I said I respect y'all because y'all went through all that shit having a fucking family, plus bills, plus your kids. I went through it before my family. I. And I guess for me, personally, I decided, I decided, okay, it's time for me to meet somebody. It's time for me to settle down. Because I felt like at the time, I've worked, like I said, I worked through a lot of shit. I healed through a lot of shit. I overcame a lot of shit. There's things that I think, like when I went about head on and that I wouldn't be able to do before. And because I accepted that and because I recognized that within myself, I said, it's time for me to settle down. You know what I mean? I said, okay, if you don't mind, if you don't mind me. So <clears throat> when I lived in Miami with my parents, people that would have met me would have been like, damn, this thing got going on. You know what I mean? Like this dude right here, he would, you know, I, listen, I had a federal job. All right. I was a federal reserve law enforcement. I, I was a dude that went to Atlanta, Georgia for four or five months to train. I, I did that for two years. I worked the midnight shift, all that stuff. I lived with my parents. And I, the only bills I had was with my car. I'd help out with groceries here and there. But I had my car, my cell phone, and that's it. So you would think, damn, this boy got... I had a girl, a girl at the time that I was with for almost two years. And she had an eight-year-old daughter. And you would think this guy got it all. His girl, his family, they're chilling on the weekends. Cause you before I used to post a lot of like family get-togethers. You know what I mean? But a lot of people really don't understand that it comes down. Steve Jobs said in the video, you can never connect the dots looking forward, you can only connect them looking backwards. Mm-hmm. And at 28 years old now, I look back on everything. And I've had conversations with my wife, and I've gone into the root of, of this poison. I've gotten to the root of the problem. It, this didn't start when I lived with my parents. This didn't start, this started way before when I was a kid, when I lived in Puerto Rico. You know, and my dad had to do what he had to do to, to survive in the streets. You know, when my dad had to carry me in his arms so that he could make sure that apartment had all the guns there accounted for, had all the drugs there on the fucking, 
table with the plate, cocaine, meth, all that stuff. It trickled down to my dad walking in on my mom with another fucking van. It trickled down to my dad cheating back on my mom, you know? All of that, man. All that shit trickled. When my mom decided to leave my life at 14, 15 years old, I, my whole world fell apart. My mom at the time, she was with my sister's father, stepdad of mine at the time. And uh, he left because he was also an officer for a couple years in Puerto Rico. So he came to Florida and, you know, he got the opportunity to be an officer. So he left to do an academy out of state for a couple, for a couple months. And my mom grabbed all his stuff put it in a storage while he was in the academy took me and my brother out of my grandma's house my whole fucking heart and said we're gonna still wait for a little bit <clears throat> that man came home came to an came back to an empty home that man came back to the streets you know what i'm talking about like to the streets that's why when they said to you, I'm surprised you haven't gone to jail. I'm surprised this man ain't going to jail either. You know what I mean? And you know who gave him a hand and told him you can stay in this extra room we have here? My grandma and my grandpa. They said, nah, man. You ain't do that right. So I saw all that. You know what I mean? My mom was a partier. And I'm not trying to cover for her or nothing like that. She had me at a young age. Maybe she didn't have that, you know, that young experience or whatnot or whatever the case might be. But... My mom used to get home every day and go out and party. I'm talking about Monday through Sunday. Go out and party. She didn't ask how school was. She didn't ask if we ate. She didn't ask what we need help with. She got home from work, showered, got ready, and left. In a way, I would I, I always say this, but in a way, I would say it was good. I mean, I learned how to cook. I learned how to wash and dry my own clothes. I took care of my brother and my sister. I, I felt like, in a way, I was a father before time. And it's why I would like to say my siblings are so close to me the way they are. I'm the oldest out of everybody. So that was another way. You have to be, you have to be an example. You know what I mean? That was another weight on my shoulder. So my mom did what she did, disappears, does her thing, in and out, in and out, you know? And uh, I still have all these unanswered questions. But as an immature kid, you know, um, as an immature kid, I blamed her and I blamed everybody. I, I, I blamed the world, I blamed life. I blamed, I, there was even a point I got to where I blamed my dad. And it, it just kept trickling down. And then the people I was around wasn't, wasn't the best for me either. So do you think maybe your mom was fighting her own demons? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, so to go off that, because we've had this conversation. He actually touched on, because my next question is about generational trauma, but he also talks on, um, touched on toxic moms too. Or, but that's exactly so what I was going to say. Toxic, not saying that your mom's toxic or anything, <laughs> but we had the conversation in regards to like a deadbeat mom or unpresent mom. You don't mind me cutting you off? Yeah, go ahead. I want to clarify. Not saying that your mom was... No, no, I want to clarify. My mom is toxic. Oh, oh, okay. okay. All right, well then. <laughs> okay. All right. So, and I'll, and I'll okay. get on to it when he's done talking, but I'll explain why I said that. So Whatever. the reason I yo, I wanted to bring that up. Yo, just, just, to, just to touch that. Y'all brought back up the toxic mom, Debbie mom. So all I got to say is fuck y'all. I'm <laughs> 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 bad, bitch. Not bad. Um, but even in that episode, and I'm trying to recall specifically what I said. I said... What was worse? The question was, what was worse? Would that be your toxic mom? Um, So I said, in my opinion, I think a deadbeat was worse. Because I said, when a mom decides to leave the kids, that does something to them mentally and emotionally. Because it leaves you wondering, like, okay, was I not good enough? Was, did I do something wrong or whatever and I'm not saying that was your thoughts but I'll get to that that's why I said things like that come into play because sometimes you can have a toxic mom 
and you know she'll be toxic with this or that but that that mom presence is still there and you have different levels of toxicity or whatever but when a mom just decides to leave that brings up so many questions Word, fuck you. that at that age you may try to get an answer or but then you may not even get an answer because they're no longer there or they just don't want to answer the question or they give some bullshit answer so just wanted to bring that up sorry so the reason why I say and I, and I clarify to y'all my mom is toxic um, my mom had this thing where <clears throat> she would come and go right so after she decided she ain't want to be our mom anymore whatever the case might be um, you know my mom had this thing where she'd say well you know I want to have a relationship with you and then we try to make it happen and shit like that and then out of nowhere for no fucking reason my phone's going to be answered my text message I'm talking about and I'm not talking about just for weeks I'm talking about months almost a year into it you know what I mean like and it fucking sucked because every fucking time that happened I set an expectation and when it wasn't matched it destroyed me emotionally it, it, it made me create questions in my head mentally you know and I a Caucasian dad and my dad oh fuck her you don't fucking need her because I had my stepmom in my life and I, I've said this before um, I, I sat with my with my stepmom and I've looked her in the face and I've apologized to her because my immaturity at the time didn't allow me to see how much love she was trying to give me. How much love she how how much she was trying to replace that void my mom left. But because all I focused on was her disappearing on me, I didn't allow her to love me the right way. I didn't allow her to give me that motherly love that we need when parents are fucking together. Mm -hmm. And it fucking sucked because when I had my daughter is when I realized all this. I looked at my daughter straight in the face, man. And I'll tell you, it still gives me emotional to this day. But I looked at my daughter straight in the face and I couldn't understand it. You know what's funny is that I told my wife, I told my wife this morning, I said, I said to her exactly these words. I said, it hurts me more now having my daughter because I couldn't bear to be without my daughter. You know, so now the questions are even bigger for me. You know, to my mother. Because now you know how it feels to have a kid. Absolutely, because now I have somebody that counts on me, that fits in the palm of my hand, you know what I mean? So do we think that... What's the question? Go ahead, ask a question. So, so I was Googling... Googling. I was Googling Robin Williams, because again, um, so we talked about how people can be funny and happy and out there, but literally be depressed. And I was trying to find like the type of depression that is. There's like a word or phrase for it, but I couldn't find it. Um, but the phrase of check on your happy friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it comes back down because I have a really good friend of mine from high school. I love her to death. And she's always so perky and so happy. But she made a comment to us once. So we had all kind of went on a girl's trip. It was actually for a friend's wedding. And she made a comment and she was like, yeah, well, when I'm reaching out to you and I'm trying to talk to you and all that other stuff, like, ask me if I'm okay. Because that's typically when I'm not okay. And she said that. And I was like, but wait, (laughs) you're talking to us. You're asking us all these questions. Like, what do you mean? But that just made me realize like so not saying she has depression or anything but at points in her at points and times in her life she may feel or she may get into that that dark place and even though she's there for us she's not but that, that's so, the hardest though because again i've been around people who are suicidal and people who have committed suicide and what's crazy is like i'm gonna give you an example and I, when I was young, I was wrong in so many, so many, so many ways. I did dumb shit, I said dumb shit. This was 2014, I lived in upstate New York. I was a supervisor for, I'm not gonna say the company name, whatever. Um, There was this lady who used to come in with a smile every day. Every day she used to ask how everyone's doing. She used to ask like, hey, how you doing? How's the, how's your girlfriend? This, this, and that. Um, 
really nice lady until I became her supervisor. And we clashed because of something that happened with work specifically. Um, me being immature and young, I didn't look at things the way I look at it now. She would come every day, even though I was having a hard fucking time at work or whatever, and she would try to be on my case, like, hey, you know, in a good way, like, happy, try to lighten the mood, and I was just, just like, yo, leave me the fuck alone. Like, it's Monday, 8 o'clock in the morning, leave me alone, or whatever. You don't need that pregnant. I, I don't, You're I don't too need loud, it. I don't need that right me, now. yeah. Right? Then, because of the way I was towards her, she acted a little bit differently toward me, and then one day, something happened, and then she was just like, you know, something, if... If something was to happen to me, you would miss me. Again, me being young and naive. naive. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you know something? I actually think I won't. Next day, she didn't come in. She committed suicide. Um, she had other stuff going on. But the thing is, like, I take myself out of the picture now, and I look, and it's just like, she was the happiest person there. She projected to be the happiest. She would make sure she'd go out her way saying hi to everyone, all this other stuff. That's, that's, and that's why when we first started, right, and everybody, you guys said, you know, what comes to your mind when you think of it? Did anyone catch it? Exactly, yeah. But that's why when I say that, the people that are the happiest are the ones that are hardest to catch. But then that's why I said, when people are like, say like you should be, because after now knowing, it's just like, I will actually check up on people who project happiness before people who project like that, leave me the fuck alone attitude. Mm -hmm. Because with my experience. And then, Again, I was dumb. There was another person at a different job, and this was even younger. Um, a guy that was always happy with like older gentlemen and happy, all this other stuff. And he had stuff going on, but he never projected it. And one day he comes to work, and he was just like, "Yo, um, I try to commit suicide," and he showed me the cut. And I was just like, well, that's dumb, because if you wanted to commit suicide, you wouldn't do it that way. You would do it this way. Wow. Bro, I'm not going to cap, bro. He was a piece of shit. No, I know. But... He talking about a long time ago. Like, he didn't no. take the dumb shit the other day. <laughs> but, again, that's just like me being it. young and dumb. But the reason is I thought that he was doing it for attention. Mm-hmm. So... Excuse me, yeah, it is. It 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 go, sometimes goes that way, but but that's the stereotype around suicide too. It's like you but, didn't really kill yourself, were you going to kill yourself? But well, then you're like, ah. Uh, but now as an adult, like going through some things, I'm like, well, maybe they just like, especially faith wise, maybe it just wasn't their time. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that gun didn't go off. There's a great book. It's called Ethic. If anybody ever reads it, um, it's a phenomenal series. But in that book, there's something in there that kind of happens in, in that sense. But it's like, you know, did maybe that not happen because Wasn't there's more for you to do in this. Oh, can lifetime. I pick it back off both of you now? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about when I speak on what you spoke about and what you spoke about. <clears throat> Uh, so I try to take my life. Uh, 2019. 2019. It was rough for everyone. February 13th. I'll never forget that day. I'm going to tell you why. The day before Valentine's Day? Huh? The day before Valentine's Day? I'm going to tell you why. So, I am the type of dude that whenever I was out, you know, yeah, there was times where I hit up my, my boys and shit like that, and we go chill and hang out, do whatever. But most of the time, I was always with my siblings. I always take my siblings with me. If I got a bonus at work, shit, we gonna ride jet skis. We going out there. So like I said, at the time, I had, had the girl that I was with, 
for about almost two years. She had her eight-year-old daughter, so I said, hey, let's go to, let's go to the beach. Let's take, you know, let's take baby girl. I'll invite my brother. I'll invite my siblings, you know. So we went out there. And like I said, at the time, people would think, this man is happy. He, he got a beautiful girl, whatever, right? So we went out, had a really good time at the beach, you know, but we started, you know, drinking. Or so let's say she started drinking. You know, maybe I took a shot, but that was about it. I said, I'm driving, I got the kids, your daughter, your eight-year-old daughter's here, you know, like, you gotta chill. But I guess since she already had learned that about me, that I was always a protector, and I was always, like, the one that watches over them and shit like that, um, you know, what happened was that she started drinking a little bit more than usual, and she she met uh, some girls that were celebrating like I guess like the whole getting married and all that stuff and the girls were like oh my god we love you guys you guys are a cute couple whatever she got all into it and all being drunk and took off her bra and showed off tits to the whole beach right your girl did yeah so I was fucking pissed I was living your fucking daughter's there you know like listen if it was just me and her alone you better believe I would have been like ah stuck that titty in my mouth you know what I mean? It's party time. You know what I mean? But yo, I'm talking about I'm talking about your daughter is there. My sister is here. You know, like <laughs> I just left this off. Come on. You know, so my my your daughter was there, my sister was there, my brother was there, my little cousin was there, and it was like, fuck, man. So I did what any protector would do. I was pissed. I if if it was another person, they'd probably smack her up and down that damn beat. But carried her to the car, put her in the car, bought pizza for the kids, took everybody home, took her home, undressed her, showered her, being all drunk, she threw up on me, laid her back down. Remember when you said earlier that one little thing could be like a trickle effect? Mm -hmm. So we had that big issue and I started to think, damn, am I fucking, like, am I a man or am I a pussy? You know what I mean? Like, like how you much of a non-worthy man am I for her to have the balls to do that shit in front of me you know what I mean like I'm talking about there was other men out there bro mm. and so that trickled down and started I started to question my worth right that night started to question my worth I was like damn I'm a piece of shit you know what I mean like like you know like she don't give a fuck about me but damn she don't give a fuck about her daughter you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be, and I started to realize shit. I don't want to be in a relationship with somebody like that. You know what I mean? Like, she liked to go out a lot, you know? And, and then I started to notice, like you said, when you start to unlove that person, I was like, fuck, this person is just like my mom. Uh, she liked to go out every weekend. She liked to drink up and, and snort cocaine. And I was a cop at the time, and I was like, I can't be with this shit. You know what I mean? Do I really want my kid to go through what I went through with my mom? So now that starts to question. I was having a lot of problems at home with my parents too with the whole religion thing. My brother had just come out as being gay. You know what I mean? My dad was not very accepting towards that. His approach towards it was rough. You know what I mean? And 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 there was so much going on. I had a lot of troubles at work, you know, that till this day my parents don't know about. And like you said, like y'all said, all that that started to trickle down. And that same night I said, I said to myself exactly these words in the car. I said, you know what? I went to Walgreens, bought myself a whole bunch of pills, put a handful, because I was too scared to pull the trigger. I had a gun. I was too scared to pull the trigger. I said, this is probably easier. This will put me to sleep, and I won't even know I'm gone. And I didn't think about nobody, not my mom, not my dad. I couldn't go home and tell them how I was feeling, because they already showed me that they couldn't help me. They wouldn't understand. Uh So I grabbed that handful of pills, I drank it. I was so immature at the time and tried to be such a petty asshole that I drank the pills and I laid down in my car in front of her house. I said, they'll find me soon enough. Guess what? I woke up in a hospital bed. In a hospital bed. And my dad, my dad was the only one allowed in the room. And this is the day that I can sincerely tell y'all that I died. I fucking died, alright? So my dad is over me because he's my dad, so he's the only one that's allowed in the room. And he goes, 
he goes, oh man, what did you do? And he's like caressing me and he's like, what did you do? And I, I just looked at him, you know, and he looks over me and he goes, you know, if you really wanted to kill yourself, you could have pulled the trigger. I mean, and that's when, in his mind, I did it for attention. You know what I mean? I did it for attention. But when he told me, the, when those first words come out of my dad's mouth. Mm-hmm. After what just happened. The even bigger void that I felt inside was a black hole that nobody could fill this time around. Mm-hmm. Nobody. I'm talking about from trust to not fucking with nobody. Mm-hmm. It was... They put me... I was about 24 hours, maybe a little bit more. And the the asylum where you know the people that try that are crazy and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. so you know, I was in there and my dad showed up and my stepmom showed up and then to my surprise, my mom showed up. And the uh, the therapist that was there that's supposed to talk to y'all together or whatever, um, to see if you're good to go to leave, he sits us all down, you know, and I start speaking facts and throwing out points out there, and my stepmom's like. My stepmom and my dad made it about them. Mm. And they were like, but we give you everything. No, no, no. And this and that. And and then here comes my mom. You haven't been around for a couple years now. And no, because I tried. You tried what? And I just felt like I... I knew at the moment that if I went crazy and I said, well, fuck you, I'm, who the fuck are y'all? Like, what the fuck is this lie you guys are portraying right now? They don't keep you know what they I mean? Like, I knew that if I popped off like that, they were going to keep me in. Yeah, it was over. So all I did was listen. That's where, that's where I learned to listen. And I listened and I looked at them straight in the face and they looked straight back on me. We made right, perfect eye contact. And they all kept lying to my face and to the therapist. And the therapist says, you know what? Give me a second. I'm going to talk to him alone. He took me to the room where I slept. And uh, he pulls me aside. And he goes, without me telling him nothing, the therapist goes, I'm not going to Baker act you. And I said, why is that? Remember what I said? Expect the worst and let the good surprise you. And he's like, because I don't think you're the problem. Mm. I do think you have to work on a lot of things. And you have to heal. But that's up to you. I don't think you're crazy. I don't think... You're suicidal, and I don't think you did it for attention, but maybe at the moment, it was too much of a pain to bear. And I said, I just hugged him, and I told him I appreciate your understanding. He signed off the paperwork, didn't Baker Act me, didn't take away my gun, nothing. I went back home, I I rode back home with my mom, my stepmom and my dad, and, my mom kind of tried to reach out a little bit more and this and that, but I learned how to not set that expectation already with her. So um, soon enough, like she was gone. And uh, so here came, here came my mom and my and my stepmom and my dad, and and they were just bashing me. Oh, you know the pain you cause. You know this. You know the total not. I don't throw nothing at your face, but they were already doing that on the way home. And I'm like, yeah, I just got out of this fucker. And y'all. But that's where I learned, like, I wasn't as talkative anymore. Yo, mm-hmm. you killed me with what you said. You killed me with what you said. We went, after that, I decided I was going to move up here to Orlando. And I said, I just need a reset. I lost my fucking job. I lost the girls with me and my parents, you know, are not on good terms. You know what I mean? I heard people that, I knew that the decision was wrong when it came down to my siblings. Because those who are who I was closest to and I knew I hurt them and um, to this day I apologize when the conversations ever come up but um, but to them I don't apologize to my dad I don't apologize to my mom and I don't apologize to my stepmom because unfortunately and it's not to point the finger but they had a lot to do with that pain you know what I mean and so how can I explain it like coming here to Orlando I stayed out of my car for the first three, four months. And I found a job at a hotel. And I met a housekeeper there, manager for housekeeping. And he told me, he said, if you meet up with me 5.30, 6 a.m. every day, I'll give you an empty room where you can shower, do your things, you know, stay clean. 
and you can still come to work. And I said, all right, bet. And I started to create, and I started to notice, wait, hold on, maybe if I create a little bit of relationship or rapport with people, you know, people would help out. You know what I mean? But I didn't want to ask for money. It was more like, you know, like just to try to see if he could help me. So I started to do that. And then, um, long story short, um, my boy Mike and Danny, uh, they're brothers. And so Mike and Danny went ahead and, uh, and uh, they found out I was out here in Orlando because I posted on Instagram that I was at Old Town. And they're like, yo, what the fuck? You're here? Like, I'm like, yeah, I live here. Not telling them I live out of my car, but I live here. And so I, I, I went ahead and we met up one day to play volleyball. And they noticed. Like, that day before going to play volleyball, I was, I was crying. So my eyes were bloodshot red. And Danny told me, he's like, yo, come on, let me, let me take you to eat. And I'm like, nah, I ain't got no money. He's like, let me take you to eat. I'm like, nah, I don't want you to pay for me. Let me take you to eat. I said, all right. So went out there, battling my demons, still with that weight on my shoulders, still with the questions of why, you know, towards everybody, like my parents, everybody. And um, I never forget the words that he said. He's like, yo, because I was, I'm telling you, I got to the point where I told both of them, fuck you, I don't need your help. Face to face. I don't need y'all help. I don't, y'all don't need to battle my demons for me. And they were like, we're not trying to battle the demons for you, trying to help you out. But that unconditional love, Sometimes will always come from the people that are not your blood. You know what I mean? So, and now that I'm 28 and have my family, I've built my life here. I met my wife here. I got, I got out of my car here. I, learned, I, I took the risk of learning new things here. I built my life here. And now, looking back on it now and revisiting that moment, it's not... It's not that I wanted to die. It's just that at the time, I felt like I ran out of reasons to live. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it, I felt like I ran out of reasons to live and I was tired. And I don't mean like sleep deprived tired. tired. I mean, I mean like, just tired of hurting. Tired of going through tired of, you're going through. Tired of going through what I was going through. Tired of feeling sad all the time. Tired. Tired of seeing people laugh and not knowing why my laugh didn't seem as sincere. And when I look back and think of it in the thick of it, it just felt like the sun was never going to fucking shine. It was always raining. And looking back on it now, I wish I would have told my younger self that if I would just hold on a little bit longer, instead of making that choice and hurting the people that I knew I was gonna hurt, if I could just hold on a little longer, the clouds will fucking part. That's real shit. And that's exactly why I will say it to anybody, I'll say it to y'all, and I've said it before. I'm proud of who I am, depressed or not. I've overcome a lot, mm-hmm. and nobody can walk my fucking shoelaces because they're mine, not yours. Should have helped make you who you are. It's it's helped me build into a better man, a better friend, a okay. better husband. Because my depression got in, in between my relationship at the beginning. We we were fucking done, and I'm talking about my wife was pregnant and said I can't fucking deal with you no more. And you would, and, and I would sit, and people would sit there and be like, "Oh, it's because she was pregnant and the hormones and all that stuff." Nah, I was a, I was, I was tough to deal with. Yeah. At the beginning, I was very tough to deal with. It's very tough to talk to, and, and, I couldn't learn that being alone, but my wife stayed, and I would have accepted if she would have left, because I knew, and I took accountability and I accepted that I was the problem. So what did I do? How did it get better? Well, I made a decision. Do I want do I want to have this this woman as my wife or not? Do I want to have be do I want to give my daughter the same shit my parents gave me, a broken home? Parents that are separated, you know? Maybe listening to me out of anger talking shit about her mom and maybe she gets mad and talks shit about me and now she's in between and she hears all that and and make that and, and make that trickle effect. Oh, now your daughter's depressed just like you. You know what I mean? Or do do I want to work on myself? And I appreciated her for staying through all that. I read books. I, I listened to podcasts. I 
I listen to motivational speakers. I listen to husbands that that had a tough time when everything started. But that's the way that I was able to try to get better. That I felt I could cope with everything, and that I felt that I could try to fix things. And my and my outlet, aside from the working out, was doing that, talking to people that I knew was in relationships, like Danny. You know, he was with his wife for years. You know what I mean? There's even been there's Shout even out to Danny. there's even been moments that there's even been moments where where I tell I I told Danny at the beginning of our relationship, and my wife knows this. I told Danny, I'm like, man, fuck her. I'm gonna leave her. Fuck that. If we have a daughter, my daughter's gonna be well off because I I got her. Angry and upset with her. I'm gonna leave her. Danny looked at me, being the person he is, but he looked at me and said, Nah, man, don't do that shit. What are you talking about? You're going to leave her. Just relax. Have a be with me. And it's one thing that I took from, from Danny and Mike is that everything has a solution. Everything. And I, and I never understood that until I sat at home with my family. I want to shout out Danny and Mike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, time is coming up. But I want to ask you real quick. Are there some stats that you haven't said it's on your notepad? On that lovely um, notepad. Before we go into a message. The notepad of ass. So October 10th is National Suicide Day. Um, I think that this podcast wow. was perfect. <laughs> um, so that's National Suicide Day. And... Um, Suicide, and again, this is from 2019, so I don't know if it's changed too much. COVID hit, so who knows at this point, but um, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death. Um, It is the second leading cause of death between people of the ages of 10 and 34. It is the fourth leading cause of death between between people, of people between the ages of 35 and 44. Um, American Indian non-Hispanic men are the most mm-hmm. per percentage per, per, per population um yeah per population to kill themselves and white men follow mm. well, white men white non-hispanic men follow oh so I like how you put that out there yeah um, for before we go into the message um you know we give a message at the end but it's crazy because listening to your story kind of ties into a lot of the topics we have already talked about in the podcast mm-hmm. in regards to generational trauma <laughs> in regards to you know moms in regards to just a whole bunch of shit so far everybody insecurity if you watched all the episodes and that was kind of like this is if not go back nice to watch them and it's I like the fact recap. that he said that he's listened to podcasts before and one of those podcasts was talking ugly so mm-hmm. just tune yeah. in um, with that said though Y'all better go hit subscribe <laughs> Yeah Let's Hit that subscribe button. Button. Go, That red button Subscribe real big dog. I promise yeah. you You won't regret it if you, don't, that. if you don't fucking subscribe I'm coming to your house Oh that's it It's oh, over okay. for y'all now <laughs> That's it It's over for y'all now Pause <laughs> We're not trying to have Some lawsuits or anything Right now bro So It's three um, And it's one conversation So okay Yeah um, And if we make Some kind of clip Trigger, trigger, trigger warning, trigger warning. Trigger warning thing on everything. Like Rich says, every single episode, just put a trigger warning on it. Um, so we normally do shout outs and we'll normally do a message. This one is to my mom. Um, I broke the news to my mom about me being raped and I'm going to get emotional. It was... It was hard, man. Um, I did it in a different way. Um, I showed her the video. And I told her, watch it. And let me know when you finish watching it. She didn't finish watching it. She called me once it got to the point where I talked about being raped. Um, immediately after I answered the phone... Just hearing her take a sigh, I broke down. Because I knew two things were going to happen. I thought she wasn't going to believe me. Or she was going to take blame for it, knowing how my mom is. But 
not, what I expected didn't happen. Um, she was just crying with me. Um, obviously, she asked questions. She wanted more details, but that's stuff that I didn't want to give her. Um, and she might watch this also. That was actually the first episode she's seen. Um, and for people that are going to have questions because they saw the last episode. The person that raped me, um, I would say were in their teenage years. Um, they... Um, they were also raped by someone that was close to them. I'm not putting that person's information out there because that's me forcing their hand to bring up a situation that I feel like you have to be ready to be able to talk about. Some people die with that, take it to their grave. Um, I felt I needed to talk about it because I needed to heal from it. And after having the conversation with my mom, I feel alive. Um, I feel like my insides are not dead. I feel... Thank you. Um, I feel relieved. It's um, something I've dealt with for a long time. And I just want to give her a shout out for... Just being my mom, man, and not putting the situation down and not making me feel worse about it. So, shout out to my mom. And you guys could leave off with. Uh, I guess I'll give a big shout out to my parents as well, including my stepmom. Because although you tried your best, he taught me exactly how I didn't want to be with my wife and with my daughter. And uh, most of all, I want to give a shout out to my mom because I know the day's going to come, whether it be on your deathbed or not, but we're going to have to sit face to face and we're going to have to talk. But um, in due time, and if that time never comes, I'll also accept it that I will have to live with unanswered questions. Um, if my day, the day of tomorrow, my day on this earth is done, I know there's one thing for sure. And that's that my daughter won't need your love if you never show up. Mm. And that's a fact. Um, other than that, dad and my stepmom y'all tried your best that was something that I had to deal with that was something that I had to overcome and do y'all made your mistakes <laughs> but y'all are making it up with my daughter I'll tell you that much y'all are not perfect but nobody fucking is and uh I still love y'all um to my wife I gotta keep her because she's the best for last but if I don't say that, she whoop my ass when I get home. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but to my wife, you know, thank you for staying. Thank you for helping me. And uh, thank you for my daughter. Yes, sir. Big facts. Yeah. Big facts. Nope. Ladies first. Ladies nope, first. Nope, Come nope, on. Nope, you nope. I'm ending this. Let today. me end. You don't let me get nothing. <laughs> no, he don't let you get nothing. <laughs> Hi, Rich. You got the next one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, shit. I don't really got no shout-outs. Um, what I will say is... You can shout-out to you, though. Big facts. Come on. Mm. I like that. Yo, shout-out to Rich, bro. Hell yeah. Shout-out shout out to Rich. Shout-out to Rich. I'm going to give you a hug after this shit. I like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Shout-out me, because I don't... I don't I don't open up. Like I said, these two know I don't I don't do that opening up shit. This this podcast got me opening up a little bit. So I low key hate you for this shit. But um So yeah. wait, wait. And and I'm I'm gonna give this to you. But that's why you're on the podcast, bro. You remember all those times we had conversations, be like, yo, Rich, you alright? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. We knew you weren't alright, but we just wanna make sure you're good, bro. I might help you out there. <laughs> <laughs>
check on everybody, man. Check on people who are unhappy. Check on the people who are happy. Check on the people who are mad all the motherfucking time. Check on everybody, man, because sometimes people are battling those demons, and, and if they prideful, you ain't never going to see it. And they ain't never going to reach out for help, and they ain't never going to show you what's going on. So just check on your people, man. Facts. And make sure you hit subscribe, bro. I'm coming to you, Chris. <laughs> So, first, I'm going to say thank you to each one of you all for sharing today. Um, I I am appreciative. Um, It has opened my eyes to quite a few different things, Um, but it takes courage just to even have the conversation. So, shout out, kudos to you all for doing that today. I wrote down a couple of different things, but I think I just have two things to say. I guess my final thing is your testimony is your testimony. You own your testimony and never be afraid to share your testimony because you never know how I can bless someone else. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I want to leave off with is... I'm not mad with you ending it. <laughs> and the last thing I want to leave off with is... Everybody deserves grace. And always remember, even when you don't understand it, to just provide that to the next person that you encounter. So. Dope shit. Dope. Episode 8-9. Guys, thanks for tuning in. As you know, this is where we just talk about ugly shit of life. Later. Get it. Oh, yeah. Get this fire off me. Fire. Oh, oh. Get this fire off me. Fire. Oh, 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 oh. Get this fire off me. Fire. Oh, oh. Get this fire.